Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast, where self-discovery is your superpower. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sue Bryce and our lineup of amazing guests. Together, we'll explore the distinct connections between self-value, relationships, career growth, and financial abundance. Through real personal stories and expert wisdom, we'll arm you with sustainable tools and strategies to become the best version of yourself and create the life of your dreams. Hi, everyone. It's Nikki Klosser here. And this week on the Self-Value Podcast, Jen Swedeen is back, but this time with Sue Bryce. Jen is actually Sue's ADHD coach, and they have such an interesting and eye-opening conversation about what life might look like for you if you either have ADHD or even if you just feel like your brain works a little bit differently than most people. Sue shares with us some very personal information about how having ADHD has affected her throughout both her childhood and as an adult. In this episode provides so many strategies to accomplish more and to utilize your incredible mind to succeed at whatever you want to do. This episode helps you recognize why you might act in a certain way and also to understand that nothing is wrong with you. You are extraordinary. Okay, let's get started with Jen Swedeen and Sue Bryce. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Self-Value Podcast. You have me today, Sue Bryce. And today, I'm very excited to talk to Jen Swedeen. Welcome, Jen. Hello. You said my name right. Good work. (laughs) It's so good to have you um, back on the show because I know you've already talked to Nikki about unmasking ADHD. But I'm mostly excited to share you with the world because I've been working with you for two years and I want people to know how much you've changed my life. So obviously I too have ADHD and I'm in the hyperactive category, which is um, you know, unusual for a girl uh, because I present very physically hyperactive, kind of like an eight-year-old boy. And even at 52 years old, I have extreme physical hyperactivity. So this is really interesting for Jen as my coach because, you know, like she said in the first one, everybody is different with their neurodiversity. So it's so cool unfolding what part of neurodiversity you are. But I just thought I would make that kind of put that out there because I talk a lot about my hyperactivity. And I think you said last time, Jen, with the conversation with Nikki, that most females actually present as, you know, just mentally hyperactive. So don't get those two mixed up. They are absolutely hyperactive, hyperactive physically, hyperactive mentally, um, very fast moving hyperactivity. But I just happen to really have both of those. (laughs) So yeah, everyone has the hyperactivity component. There's multiple types of ADHD, inattentive, hyperactive, or combined. You are clearly combined. I'm inattentive. But the H in ADHD, there's no difference between ADD and ADHD. The H is always there. It's just whether it presents outwardly or inwardly, but we all have a hyperactivity component to our lives. But that's also why a lot of women were not diagnosed because we didn't present as hyperactive little boys. Um, I know you talked about that with Nikki and I don't want to cross over anything because I really want to talk about how you've changed my my business, you know, life because um, I just want to make it really clear to people. I've always known that I've had ADHD because I grew up in a very neurodiverse home And my mother was a midwife, but she was also just a very intuitive, creative artist that um, really understood that she had some neurodiverse children and she really channeled so many creative things in us. And 
I I attribute my mom to the reason that I fully uh, pushed into my obsessive focus. Um, I'm going to talk more about obsessive focus, but I just wanted to lay that down in terms of I struggled with my self-worth in every part of my life. Um, and obviously ADHD impacts that so greatly. But the one thing that I think she gave me was this ability to lock into something creative and that set me up for life. And so even though I struggled so much building a business because I didn't have you, Jen, um, I still got there. And so by the time I got to Jen, um, I was pretty much at a very height of my career, but I was going into menopause. So, you know, for starters, I'm going to do more podcasts about menopause, Jen, but let's just quickly bridge why I'm bringing up ADHD and menopause because it's like I've always struggled with my ADHD, but when I hit menopause, it was like I could not manage myself again, Yeah, like a teenage hormone. So estrogen, a specific type of estrogen called estradiol, plays a huge role in just our day-to-day um, uptake and production of dopamine. So when we go through menopause, pre-menopause, all, you know, all the different stages of it, our estrogen drops. And so then our brain doesn't work as well because that one little component is missing. So even when you're medicated, even when you have all the tools in place, the brain chemistry changes in such a way that staying engaged, getting things done, your executive function, it all just kind of floats away. And that's why a lot of women say when they go through menopause, they get dumb as a bag of rocks because their brain just doesn't work the same way. I feel like I went through that as a teenager with ADHD. Yes. Um, So I was very incredibly hormonal, volatile, um, emotional, and more so than neurotypical brain. And then I kind of got into my obsessive focus with my work very early. And anybody with ADHD knows that the obsessive focus, our ability to completely focus on something obsessively, um, is just a big part of ADHD. And because I was able to lock in creatively to my obsessive focus, I kind of went through my sort of later 20s and all of my 30s and even my early 40s um, was just so focused on my career and I never thought much about it. People ask me all the time if they work with me, not if they hang out with me. If they hang out with me, they just think I'm fun, uh, explosive, compulsive, and maybe a little crazy. Um, But when you work with me, it didn't take long for people to go like, are you neurodiverse? Like, you got something going on here? Because at work was really obvious when I just couldn't like, you know, let go of anything because I'm so focused. But when I hit menopause, I actually was at the height of my career internationally, and I started to fall apart. And that's when I started to look at when I was a teenager with those hormones. I just read you spend 30% of your life in menopause, but we don't know anything about it. We don't talk about it. It's not studied. We don't, you know, there's no studies really. They're only just coming out now about what it's like to have neurodiversity and hormones raging through your body. So I hit menopause and started to fall apart in all areas of my life. That's when I found you. 
I remember when we started working together, you said, I want your help to get to the next level. And I, in my head, said, what the hell is even that? Because you were at the height of everything. It's like, but I wasn't because okay. I wasn't myself. And it looked really good from the outside, but I right. was just a mess. I was having meltdowns daily in front of my staff, um, who, by the way, all have supported me through all of this because they're incredible. And obviously, I got some help. So let's talk about what your help did for me. Number one was knowledge, acceptance, understanding. You know, for as much as I knew all of my quirks, and I've always, always, always called <laughs> myself a freak. You know, I want to own this. You know, all the freaks unite. We are more likely to attract neurodivergent friends. Um, but my little freak flag, once I learned that it wasn't so much a freak flag, it had all of these extraordinary things, that was the game changer for me. But when I met you specifically was because I wasn't managing my life. I was never going to get to the next level above the level I'd got to. Um, I absolutely learned more about myself just in the first probably three months of coaching with you. You answered all these questions, the biggest one was, what do you mean I'm not broken? The second one was, what do you mean other people don't do this or feel this way or have this? What do you mean everybody doesn't do this, feel this way? Um, the knowledge, the acceptance of it, and then the understanding of my limits around it, that's the first thing that you changed for me was I was just like, oh my God, I am not the head. And that's what I was telling myself. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not broken. We're just different. And all the quirks that we go through life with um, that people point out to us usually is what's happening is other people tell us like, oh, what you're doing is weird or like, oh, Jen, she's so quirky. Like the, some of them are quirks, but a lot of them are just the way that our brain works differently. I and, like that you say quirky because mostly it's meaner words than quirkiness. Right. Yeah. It's quirky. It's quirky when you're the cute kind of quirky. It's, it's the mean stuff when you're less socially acceptable. Yes. But once you realize that that's just a byproduct of your brain physically being formed differently, it's a lot easier to accept those quirks, but then it's a lot easier to drop all the shoulds and stop shooting on yourself all the time of, well, I should be able to pay my bills better. I should be able to get this thing done. I should be able to manage a household and work full time. I should, should, should. Because once you realize like you, yeah, maybe just because you should doesn't mean you should um, because it's not real. That's all societal constructs and it's made up shit. So I shouldn't have to have three trash cans in each room, but I do. And now I don't have trash anywhere because it's in the trash cans. Because once you know, you can work around it. You can create your own systems that actually make sense for you and not carry so much of that old story nonsense that doesn't apply to you. It applies to neurotypicals. They should be able to do the things because their brains are normal and they live in a neurotypical world. The shoulds I, don't apply to us because we don't have live. my weird flag because I like my weird flag as much as my freak flag. So yeah. I've always called myself a weirdo. 
And even when I sort of started to really accept all of the neurodiversity and like go, oh yeah, I guess that's that's what makes me unique and weird. So I never say I'm weird anymore without saying I'm wonderful. So I say weird and wonderful because I am weird and wonderful. And if you have neurodiversity, you know that there's this little weirdness that and quirkiness that comes with you and you spend a lot of time trying to hide it from people. But the truth yes. is, is it is a little bit weird and wonderful. I want to talk about the wonderful because there's too many people out there that hide the weird and are ashamed of the weirdness uh, that they hide because they don't understand why they do such simple things. And I want to talk about all the wonderful things that got me here, um, kicking and screaming. Obviously, I have better information now that I know Jen, but all of the things that got me here to me are um, obsessive focus. I want to talk about that in terms of creating a business or I want to talk about the positive aspect of obsessive focus. When I have a special interest, it's all I want to do. It's all I want to focus on. And that's how I actually built my business and mastered my craft was I was so obsessively focused on it. And for a lot of people, they think that this is actually you know, something that's wrong with them. And it's actually what makes me so extraordinary is my ability to lock in my brain. And when I'm in that place of like, I'm goosey, just talking about being locked into a focus, I get physically, I am physically excited by thinking about being in an obsessive focus. Like I want people to understand that when I'm in my obsessive focus, it's like it's like the most amount of joy I can experience being in my brain. It's like taking a bath in pure dopamine. It's just, it's everywhere. Because when your brain, the way we get things done with a neurodiverse brain is um, our brain has to decide it wants to. It's interesting. It's engaging. It's exciting. It's challenging, but not too challenging. If it's too challenging, then it's no longer interesting. We won't do it anymore. So finding those ways to get hyper-focus and then also having the ability to turn it around and activate on it, apply it to something. Because we often get, I hyper-focused on something earlier that did not benefit my life at all, but had a lot of fun doing it. And i I just took it as a break. I needed a break today. So I hyper-focused on some nonsense that I really loved. But if we can apply that, take that and turn it towards our business or towards our goals or whatever, and really activate and use it as a power instead of an avoidance, because hyper-focus is often weaponized as an avoidance behavior when we don't want to do something. Well, I'm going to hyper-focus on my avoidance behaviors as much as I'm going to hyper-focus on my obsessive joy because both of them will take me away from a bad feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Then, yeah, they both feel great. Until the avoidance yeah. <laughs> gets really stressful because you're like, okay, uh -huh. I haven't worked on business for eight weeks because I've been learning how to And knit. that's why it's called avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, ADHD is get into a different type of avoidance than neurotypicals because avoidance is usually around an uncomfortable emotional feeling. And for ADHD, is it's actually around any focus that causes us great pain and, and being able to yeah. focus on something we don't want to focus on more than it is running away from an emotion, even though the emotion is the reaction I'm going to have to not wanting to do what I want to, what I have to do. 
For ADHDers, um, it's in business, it's often um, the struggle of not knowing what to do, being uncertain of it, or having to refamiliarize with something. That's our kind of our biggest barrier of, like, I know how to send these newsletters, but I haven't done it in a few weeks. And now I have to remember how to log in, remember the steps I take, remember what I did last time. And that sounds trite, but it's so true. I have to it's remember huge. how to log in. I have to remember where... Yes. Because you will turn your focus away from something so basic that you know the answer to, you know you can do it, and you'll go to do it, and you will be unable to do it, and it's like you do not know how to do it. Right, and then we'll, we'll avoid it forever. And when we do finally do it, it's going to take 10 minutes, or what you know, what is an easy thing, but it's so insurmountable in our minds that I have to refill I have to go find where I stored that file. And I didn't name it properly. So who knows where I'll find that? Or I have to go remember the conversation with this client or whatever we're working on. The refamiliarization process. analogy or parallel when you say my brain has a thousand tabs open, that one right there. And I have to go and find the tab to remember mm -hmm. how to do something really, really basic. Okay, so when I am, um, when I am most sort of lit up by my... Um, obsessive focus when I get into my obsessive focus and so that doesn't mean I don't want to do ordinary things because I actually do a lot of very uh, rote repetitive ordinary things like for me when I'm really exhausted I, I don't nap because I have ADHD ADHD I just don't sleeping's not something that comes easy to me day no, it's, night, if, if I could if I could dismiss something from my life forever it would be sleeping yeah. Right. It's not for me. It's just so, so I boring. Organize things, and I will organize. I could organize nail polishes. I could organize paint colors. I could organize M and M's into lines and colors. It doesn't matter. Organizing my brain when I'm really overwhelmed is something that comes very naturally to me, and it actually helps me get back into my focus again. And also, so I feel like people see it as a, oh, so when you really enjoy a job, you can do it. But of course, you don't enjoy doing the dishes. I really enjoy doing the dishes. And the reason I have systems around me is because I'm so ritualized. And those rituals are more rituals than habits for me because I'm very ritualized in how I do everything. If I'm doing a mundane task, I put a podcast or an audio book in my ears because let's say I'm sweeping the floor for an hour. My ADHD brain will just be like, I'm not sweeping the floor for an hour. But the second I put something in my ears, my body is moving, my brain is learning. And what will happen inevitably is I'm doing something so mundane, but I'm getting this explosive creative content in my brain because I'm doing two things in, and so I, I think people might look at ADHDs and say, oh, cool, so you can only do things that light you up. And it's like, well, no, I can do anything in a ritualized way. And I just know how to get my brain into a um, mundane task focus because I have right. to make sure I've creatively spent, in fact, one of the fastest ways to get me to do a mundane task in my house is let me sit and create for two or three hours. I will inevitably get sick of creating or crafting because it's a lot of close-up work and I'm older, my eyes will get tired or whatever. 
um, my bum will get sore and I want to stand up, inevitably I will then go and do a one hour of like mundane stuff in the house because yeah. I've been so creative and now I just want to get into more systems. Yeah. So there's actually two things at play there. One is we have two, two networks in our brain, the default mode network, which is where ADHDers spend a lot of their time. We have a hard time jumping out of that. That's where you ruminate and process and daydream and you do all those sorts of things. And then there's active mode when that's when we're doing like intensive, actual like critical thinking, intensive work. And we don't really like to stay there. We go more into the, the default mode and other neurotypical brains can switch back and forth just like a light switch on and off. And we take a lot of effort to get between them. But what you're describing, I call focus stacking. So we need it. You know, with ADHD, we think like the more distractions, the worse off you are, but it's actually the opposite. We need to use up as much of our focus as possible to be able to do all the things. So if you're doing something boring, let's say that takes up 50% of your focus, we need to find ways to fill up that the rest of that 40 or 50%. So yeah. add in music, that'll distract your brain, maybe 20%. Add in, you know, a, a visual, so maybe you're watching TV instead, that'll stack it up more. So the more you can utilize the rest of your abundance of focus, because ADHD isn't a lack of focus, it's an abundance of focus. It's it's directed. It's that's the problem. Yeah. So if you can like fill that meter up by by different distractions, then you can do the the hard thing. That's why you have to watch TV while you retouch. That's why you have to listen to music <laughs> or a podcast while you sweep or while you drive or or organize something little while you're learning because then your brain can. If you're just doing one boring thing, that other 50% is going to go like ping, 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 And I think people probably look at it like, well, if I'm going to sit and watch a TV show, I need a fidget spinner. Mm -hmm. Whereas I look at it like the other way, I need to fold those clothes. How, what is the best way for me to fold those clothes and entertain my brain with learning right. or stimulus that is not, and I, I will, I feel like sometimes if the stimulus is good, I won't remember folding an hour's worth of clothes because I will just go into a, a space. Yeah, zone of, out, autopilot. Yeah. And I learned how to do that years ago. So, so you know, I am a neurodiverse person with a clean house because I love being organized. And in fact, the more organized my, my surroundings are, the more organized my brain is. And that helps me get my brain organized is getting everything around me that I can see organized. Very much so. Hypervigilance. Yeah. It's why I always have a fidget in my hand. A right. putty or my, my specs balls or something. Because even when I'm doing something I really love, I still need that extra physical. Like bouncing doesn't work if I'm doing art. But right. squeezing this in one hand, it'll just put me right over the edge I'll so then I can stay paper. in it. I will roll paper. I will tear off paper. I will roll yes. paper into a just a thin line and I'll just keep rolling paper. Rolling paper is the one thing that I can usually get hold of a napkin at a restaurant, paper napkin. I'll just Ooh. roll a napkin. I'll roll paper and I'll keep that moving in my hands. Hypervigilance is something that most people see as a negative thing, um, probably because it's associated with a lot of um, trauma in children. Um, hypervigilance is definitely a huge part of ADHD. And I just want to talk about the positive aspect of it. I, because I am so hypervigilant, I am aware of everything in the room. 
I am aware of everyone in the room. I am aware if you've had one inch cut off your hair. I am aware if you've changed the shape of your eyebrows. I am aware if you uh, have a different body language today than you had uh, yesterday or an hour ago. I can feel every person in the room because I am watching every person, every emotion, and I feel everything. Now, I know RJS is a big thing for neurodiverse people, which is rejection syndrome, and that they feel more, feel rejected more, feel deeply more. Um, these would have been really good things to know starting a business because rejection is one of the biggest things when you start a business about putting yourself out there that can terrify you. Um, but I really truly believe that the reason we are, we do feel rejection that way or so much is because we're so, um, hyper vigilant. So we are feeling everything in the room. So of course, if somebody looks at you a certain way and doesn't have time for you, I'm going to feel that immediately and instantly internalize it. But if I wasn't looking for it, I'm not going to see it the same way. So I do wonder how much of RGS comes from hypervigilance. But I just, I'll ask that question first before I riff on how incredible hypervigilance has made me intuitively. Yeah. So I think a lot of it from a young age, we know that we're different. And it's pointed out often that we're annoying or we're too much or a brain. We're, yeah doesn't stop uh, walking. My dad always blamed me for forgetting things because I didn't care when in fact I'm, you know, I'm in seventh grade and I'm doing the best I can. You don't Take finish anything. Man. Yeah. There are so many things that people point out to you as a negative, which are all just, this is how our brains work and this is how it's always going to work. And yeah. these are fine things. But because of that, we start observing from a young age of like, okay, well, how are they doing it differently? Why aren't they getting in trouble for these things? How do they manage their life? And we go, one, like you said, we get hyper-observant. We start to try to emulate those. And that's what leads to us masking. So when we're in these situations where we need to protect ourselves, we need to be socially acceptable, we put on the fake version of us where we pretend to be neurotypical. So we're more, it's not to protect, it's not to help us. It's to make us more palatable to the world, which sucks. But I mean, that's what neuro neurodivergent treatment is. It's making us easier on the world, not the world easier on us. And then because we're always doing that, we're always being observant of what are, what are other people doing? What's socially acceptable here? If I said the wrong thing, why was it wrong? And how can I not do this again? And that's also why we uh, socially lubricate ourselves more, uh, which is also why we're more prone to addiction because it's really uncomfortable to be in a social situation not be in control of yourself, interrupt people, cut, cut them off, say weird things, be impulsive, be too wiggly. And everyone else is like, look at the freaking weirdo. And you're like, I'm just trying to get through the day. Impulsivity, so, compulsivity, those two things um, interplaying are so interesting to learn about, especially mm -hmm. when you come into social awareness and learning how to you know, get around all those things in a social situation is that is and not make yourself a target. Fascinating. Yeah. And, yeah. and those are the hardest things for us to deal with. Yeah, they are. Impulsivity and, and because I don't have an off switch and mm -hmm. I grew up like this is, we, we have this conversation all the time because you know, and first thing in self value is people are like, I am enough. And I was like, enough, enough for who? Like, mm -hmm. 
you want to be more than enough. And I was like, because I'd grown up too much. And yeah. I think I, I never really understood that until, you know, last year when it was like, that was right there is I was, I was challenging everybody. I was challenging you. I was like, what do you mean mm -hmm. I'm enough? I was like, what a, what a stupid thing to say. Why would you sell yourself so short? Like you're more than enough. And then I was like, oh, wait, I, I spent my whole childhood and teenage and twenties being told I was too much. So for all the people out there that feel not enough, um, just sit with that for a moment and ask yourself if maybe what you're experiencing was I'm too much because, mm -hmm. wow, they are both different ends of the spectrum for different reasons. My hypervigilance makes me intuitive. My hypervigilance makes me um, almost psychic. I have such almost. Intense I'm going to go with almost in quotes. <laughs> you're a witch and I know it. <laughs> I know, but it's like, I don't want to tell people I'm psychic because I don't think psychic's the right word. I just feel like I learned how to read people in a way that it just get, gives me so much information and I'm very intuitively open to it. Yes. And I know that type of vigilance. I know that comes from just constantly watching people and just constantly trying to read the energy in the room, constantly trying um, – to not be too much in the room was the biggest one for me because obviously when you're not enough in a room, you're more isolated. When you're too much in a room, people are telling you you're too much. So yeah. you're either completely – They both feel bad. Yeah. You're either devoid of any sort of energy or you're directly having it reflected back to you that you're just – you're too loud, too much, talk too much, interrupt too yeah. much, too outspoken – and it's like too fast. You're pushing the conversation too everything. quickly. You're yeah. yeah. Everything. All right. Um I said solution focused. Oh no. Okay. Obsessive focused is one thing, being obsessively focused on what you want. But when I'm in my that obsessive focus, what I realized that it developed in the last 21, 23 years of being in business was it's really solution focused because I, I teach solution focused, love focused, drama focused, you know, problem focused. If you get stuck in a problem, you're going to create more problem, drama, drama. But when I got into that obsessive mind, that obsessive focus where I could really just, I realized I was just a problem solver in that mind because I would just think of a system or a way through anything. This is the reason I created an international business. I keep, I see everything in a system, which is good. And then I create the system. But to me, that focus was just a solution focused. I was always solving problems, coming up with cool solutions, finding a way through in my brain of where to go next and how to get there. And then all of a sudden, this is actually business is just systems, setting expectations, communicating boundaries, and then an offer of value and a service that follows through on all of those things. And so here I was, I left high school when I turned 15, halfway through the year of my second year of high school. I was 15 years old. It was my birthday. Our school year starts in February. My birthday was on June the 4th. 
Second year, I walked out of that high school and I went and got a job because I could not learn at school. What chance was I ever going to have of having a business? Um, and then all these years later, here I am with this incredible international business and I made it through. But now that I'm sitting here with you as my coach, I just want to tell all the people out there that have struggled with um, this for most of their lives that if you look at everything positive that your neurodiversity brings you, instead of the struggle that all the negative stuff that is just hard to get through until you know, then you actually are gifted. I have read this is the new brain, um, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself because let's face it, 90 whatever percent of the population that don't, that are neurotypical think it's absolute BS. Um, so I just feel like uh, I was given these incredible gifts and I was also given some really unique challenges around those gifts. But once I learned how to get around those unique challenges, I have an extraordinary mind. I have built and sold, I built three businesses and sold two. I have created $43 million in digital products in the last 13 years just with my name on them. I have achieved incredible things with mastery, craft, skill, and in business, but I have a meltdown if I have to get on a help desk line where it's an automated system. I struggle to do basic tasks that are so shameful that if people knew, when people find them out about me, that I have to somehow hide these things. So how can I be so extraordinary and so useless at the same time? That's really the one thing that you've helped me with because I've already created a successful business when I met you, but I was not being successful in my business. And I was not being successful in my life because I was just still struggling so much with what my brain could and could not do. So I want anybody right now that even, do I have ADHD? Do I need help in my business with ADHD? Do I need help? I, I definitely want them to reach out to you. I definitely want them to go and get help. But I want people to know that you're actually, you've been given a gift and when you know how to work with this brain, it is an extraordinary gift. I'll tell you a couple of other things that I can do that I think is truly extraordinary. Um, I can stand on stage and speak for eight hours. And I've done that. I've done a full day in London to 400 people where I stood on stage and I spoke for eight hours without notes. <laughs> so and I'm speaking fast, and I'm giving a lot of information, and I don't know how my brain can do something like that, and then can't do something really basic. But yeah, yeah I, th I think a lot of what you're talking about here is the unique combination of ADHD, because we do have unique brains, we are more creative in our thinking, we have, we are more solution driven, because we live our whole life creating solutions for the problems that we cause ourselves. Um, but also yeah, is that, that like I'm, I'm always in the shit. It's just the depth that varies. So the yeah. reason that I'm so good of um, getting myself out is because I'm always getting myself out of the shit. Yeah, we create, yeah, we create our own chaos 
And we just have to learn how to create healthy chaos yes. in the good ways instead of like throwing a grenade into our business because the chaos helps us thrive better. We, we love chaos. But so between that, but then also your unique set of strengths, and not everyone has those same strengths. Yours are similar to mine, strategy and command and intellection and ideation. So when, when you find a problem and can work through the solution, you are also able to activate on it a certain way and m- make things happen a certain way. Whereas other people with the same brains as ours can't function exactly the same way. They, they can't activate the same way. They, they, can't, they can see the problem, but maybe they need a different route to finding solutions because their strengths are people-based or, you know, relationship-based or you know, not like ours that are not, <laughs> ours are not relationship based. So their paths will look really different and their gifts will show up really differently because they'll still be able to be creative thinkers, but we'll need to approach it in a different way than, than you have. But then also on the other side, maybe their boss at managing their house, maybe they pay their bills <laughs> excellently, but then their business is a hot mess because thinking of it in, in those ways breaks them. And it shows up differently for everyone, it but everyone really has can. the same ability to process through and create the level of success that you've created. They just need to do it their way and not the way they're told it should be done or how you've done it or how I've done it or how anyone else does it. I would like to sort of say that I don't have children too and I think that makes some impact because I have been able to in the last 20 years do nothing but focus on my business. Yeah. And even for the first, um, you know, 12 years of that, last 21 years, I was also single. So like when I say it was my obsessive focus, it was probably a large part of my life focus too so I do kind of like... Yeah, it's, that's significant. It is yeah. significant because I know I coach thousands of people that have children and I coach thousands of people that, you know, hold down full-time jobs while they're trying to start a business. And I know that um, the amount of focus that I was able to give my business and that time was really, really, really significant. There's three things moving forward that make a massive impact on how I do business. The first one is body doubling. Can we just talk about that? Yes. Um, So neurodiverse people tend to need a body double. And even before I knew what the term body double was, I had a body double. So I've always had either uh, an assistant that is more like a everyday, like an everything assistant. They just seem to be on my shoulder. Um, I have one when I'm in the camera room as a photographer. I have one in my office. I have one everywhere. I just have this person with me. And a lot of people will refer to this person as my assistant, but ultimately they're my body double. They keep me focused on tasks. They keep me doing tasks. They keep me, you know, just in alignment. And I work alongside them. And I learned that probably in about 2005, I was starting my, I'd started my first business, but it really wasn't taking off. 
I was trying to do too many things and I, I just needed that body double. At the time, I had a friend doing the same thing as me and I just bought her into my business, gave her half my business, didn't sell it to her or anything, just gave her half my business and said, you know, you're my business partner. But really, she was just my body double. She just really followed me everywhere, did everything with me for the first three years until we built this business up. And ironically, that business, she ended up taking, buying the business from me and carrying on with it. But that was what was really crazy. It was, I realized all these years later that I found out about body doubling, that I'd done, I'd done that right from the get go. I had had somebody with me um, by my side, at my side for the last 23 years. Yeah. It's significant. It's a significant part of your success for sure. And you work a lot better with someone you are else. for people with neurodiversity. You're kind of that. You can you can be their body double. Like if you, yeah, yeah, you can work with them, right? Yeah. So body doubling looks like a lot. Like you said, <clears throat> could be like you just have someone that you work alongside with. But I think it 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 basically works like that focus stacking that we talked about, where you've got a lot going on, and then you have another person to be a bit of a distraction for you and a bit of a safe space. So it adds that extra 20 or 30% so you can just get more done. My husband works in the same room with me, and we both are, I would say, 50% more productive just working physically in proximity. Yeah, some, isn't that crazy? some people do as this long when as they're they, not interrupting, right? They're actually, right. yeah, we're just working. Away. Yep. And we're not even, we're not talking, we're not communicating, we're just there. I'm physically able side. to see him. Sometimes I body double with my friends where we just will get on a zoom call and we we mute we just say oh this is what i'm working on this is what i'm working on we mute and then we just work we keep cameras on because just knowing someone else is there makes you focus more makes you get more done so we think even if you you know wander off then you're like oh wait i'm i'm working on this and it helps pull you back hmm. so body doubling and co-working is another word for it is magic and it can look like a, a lot of things but for me the person that I'm bodily doubling with has to be there for me because what you just said with having someone online or having a um, husband in the room working that's not going to work for me because the second somebody else is in the room I'm like what are you doing <laughs> because I can't do that. They have to be mm -hmm. working on the same thing as me. So uh -huh. I am not a co-worker at all. In fact, I'm mm -hmm. like, why are you blinking so loud at the end of the table? <laughs> why are you breathing in the room? I know this from experience. I am my <laughs> obsessive focus and you are breathing and blinking and you need to go and breathe and blink somewhere else in the world. <laughs> no, a body yep. double for me has to be for me doing that task mm -hmm. for me. Um, you know, you do it for me a lot remotely uh, if I need you, like when we're going into production calls or anything with producers or anything, I will often say to Jen, I need you on this call with me um, because this is a call I'm going to struggle with. I'm going to struggle to hold my focus with details. I'm going to struggle because I'm talking to two or three people on this call, which will instantly put me into a panic because I'm going to interrupt and I'm, I'm going to do that to three or four people. So it's going to um, make me really uncomfortable and I'm very nervous. And so getting you just with me on that meeting or that call is extraordinary because that body doubling for me helps keep my focus. Um, it's just a safety one, net. One of the hardest things, I think, for being 
uh, in business. And I even heard Nikki say it when you two were talking on the last one was delegating and outsourcing is almost impossible because the thought of communicating what I know to somebody when I could do it in a shorter amount of time, but I'm not doing it because I have a thousand other things, that means I'm in cognitive dissonance over giving this job to you. I'm in cognitive dissonance over eh, if I should just do it myself, I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm already freaking out over the fact that I would actually have to sit down and communicate with you what I need because in the time it took to do that, and and that sounds awfully like asking for help, and I don't want to ask anybody for help. <laughs> and so I'm just like constantly in that place of I need help but nobody helps me and like even to this day for the last two and a half years I've been saying to Jen who is my brain coach I need an assistant and she goes okay let's go let's get you an assistant and I go no I don't want to do well, that <laughs> no, I'm not ready to do that because I have to then give all of the information I want an assistant to help me with I have to give up that information and just the thought of doing that is making me crazy. So I just want to go back to my obsessive focus and not have to worry about an assistant two and a half years later, still don't have an assistant. Mm -hmm. So this is something I help people with a lot through. The okay. Can I just is, say one thing? Outsourcing yeah. and delegating is impossible when you get stuck like that in yes. your head. It's impossible. Yeah. So and it's so important. Yes. It's only in being able to verbalize that I can't get over this hump with Jen that changes the outcome. So even if I just say to Jen, Jen, I have to do this thing. And she's like, what is it? And I'll be like, I have to just go through these files and find the eight ones that are, that they want, but it's, I can't do it. And like even being able to verbalize it to you and then you go, all right, how are you going to do this? Like, Let's break it uh, down. When is the best time to do this? And you'll just talk me through it. Just the, even the fact that I could verbalize that to you meant that I didn't all of a sudden feel the eight stresses that I feel. I'm now just back to the problem, which is, oh, I do need an assistant, don't I? Not, how will I do that? I'll have to write something and talk to and I have to write this all down and get this out of my head. And, and as soon as I start to think of all the things, I don't do any of those things. Yeah, because they're terrible. So, yeah. And so there's a lot of refamiliarizing in there. Uh, and so I feel like when you do finally get help, you just have to say there are certain things that my brain will get stuck on mm -hmm. and I – now I have to do them. I know I could outsource them very simply, but I'm going to get stuck. And just being able to tell you that I'm stuck changes everything. Yeah, it, it, it's looking at the big scary thing, like you always mention. Look at the big scary thing. And if you just say, this is really fucking hard and I need to do it, you've acknowledged it and that takes away so much of the power and now you can just... Okay, so when Break I talk about the big scary thing in self-value, I'm talking about shame. You've just associated my neurodiversity with my shame because in, in being able to tell you something, like I'm stuck on something simple, like I have to, okay, if you, if you want to know how some of the other really wonderful things that I do, I struggle to make an appointment. <laughs> Um, I get very, very, very confused about time and date. and uh, But the phone call and the speaking to the customer service and the stranger and the 
the loudness and everything is instantly already wigging me out. So I will avoid making really basic appointments. And I could never say that out loud, all these things that I am just so, so weird and wonderful. And, and you do carry un- shame about that because you should yeah. be able to make, you, that's what you tell yourself. I, I yeah. should be able to make an appointment. And anytime right. you should on yourself, like it comes with shame. human being. So it wasn't until my business got successful internationally that I realized that I was like, it doesn't matter what people think around my weirdness or those stupid things. What matters is what they're seeing me do, which is clearly I'm not stupid. And so I just realized you just hide those things out of complete shame. And if there's anybody listening to this that is just sitting there shaking their head going, I never tell people I can't do stuff like that. My sensory processing is off the charts. That's light, that's sound, that's dings, taps. Uh, How long would it take me to to say to a stranger across the table, could you turn the um, beep, beep, beep of your text? Um, probably be under three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> could you please eat with your mouth closed? <laughs> under yep. one second? Like, <laughs> I've just had to learn what was socially acceptable and what wasn't. But I have to say the shame that I bought um, out by saying the most basic things that I can't do in my life is extraordinary and it just made me realize that there's so many things I can't do at the most basic level because I'm too ashamed to tell somebody I need help with making a phone call or sending something at the post office. Ugh, don't ask me to mail something. (laughs) (laughs) I sent sent my team and client gifts in February this year (laughs) for the December of the year before. A whole year late and I was like, Sat on it the whole time. Could not make it happen. So if you are going to get any form of assistance, tell them about your neurodiversity and tell them, I do extraordinary things. <laughs> I just also do really- Making appointments isn't one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Grocery shopping isn't one. And we've all got those things. Everyone yes. has them. Everyone's list is different. And we yeah. all feel like shit about them, especially women. Because we're supposed to be able to do everything. Well, we can so do everything. I can do calculus and long equation and I excel in math, um, but I can't do my own bookkeeping, right? Yeah, because my not bookkeeping <laughs> requires a focus that, and, and it actually causes me physical pain. Yeah. But instead of getting a bookkeeper when I started my business, I did my bookkeeping for the first three years, missed some money on taxes, got fined for it, paid that off and made stupid mistakes with money because I would not get help. And because my brain would say, you should be able to do your bookkeeping. You're useless. You're not good enough. You don't finish anything. And all these years later, I'm like, my bookkeeper is a, as part of my month as you are. <laughs> my brain coach because she is extraordinary and she keeps my bills paid she keeps my checks and balances my profit and loss my taxes paid and she keeps my life running and it is extraordinary how she's also changed my life and she probably has a whole list of things that she can't do hyper focusing on your strengths is the whole thing and then outsourcing And when I say outsourcing the things you're not good at, I don't just mean like hiring someone to help you. I mean, I am not 
I'm not good at the, I don't do errands. I can't do it. It makes me want to die. I would literally rather play in traffic than run an errand. The worst. I outsource it to my husband. If I didn't have my husband, I would outsource it to a friend. Yep. I would find a way, I would do it online. I I can't do it. That is a hard note for me. And I have a whole list of hard notes for me that I just, I can't use a task management program to save my life. I have to because I have a team, but I don't use it the way it's intended because my brain goes, wah, tasks, I freak out. So these are all things that you don't have to hire someone for. You just don't have to do it yourself. If somebody wanted a brain coach, could they call you for a consultation and just talk for, like, just book you for a, like, an intro call? Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like a lot of people would be like, I don't know, do I need help in this way? Maybe I do. A lot of people are just currently sitting here right now going, oh my Lord, why have I been stuck in my brain this whole time? And I just feel like if, uh, what's the best way for people to do that, to be able to just talk with you and just sort of- schedule a consultation on my website. It's teamgetshitdone.com. And that's, I do a lot of consults and half of the time people leave the consultation going- okay, I learned a lot. Now I can make changes and I, I'll see if I need help. Some people move forward with coaching. We, lo- we look at different ways. I don't just, I'll step over money if you don't need it. So if we're not a good fit or if I don't think you need my type of help, I'll tell you that. But I'll also say, you know, what you need is just a really good system around this. Here's what I suggest. Um, knowledge, acceptance, and understanding were three of the biggest things that you gave me around my own brain. Uh, those three things truly are extraordinary. Um, I feel like um, you truly helped me manage my physical body like somebody with neurodiversity. I am physically hyperactive. I need to I, – I move – a low day for me would be 15,000 steps. Yeah. A high day would be, you know, 20 to 30,000. <laughs> I, you helped me get to more rituals with, okay, balance. So I coach people in business. 28,000 people have done my um, program on SBE since it started. And one of the biggest questions I got asked was, how do you work-life balance? And the word balance comes up and I just start laughing because there is zero balance in my life. I am one of the most out of balanced, balanced people you will ever meet in, in your life. It is chaos and pandemonium inside here. So balance, I know nothing about balance. I am always just really digging a hole in the sand and then the sand falls down. So really one of the things that you helped me with was you helped me balance my work system stress because there was still a whole lot of things I was doing that I was not getting help for because I hadn't like set myself up in my business with a neurodiverse brain. You definitely helped me do that. You helped me balance my sleep. Um, and that really came down to getting on the right sleep medication. I am 52. I've I'm in menopause, so had six years of perimenopause for anybody out there that's wondering, you lose a lot of sleep in your late 40s, early 50s. I've never been a sleeper, and now I have really good non-addictive sleep drugs that I take. Um, That was a game changer for me. You really helped me balance putting myself to bed. I get 
um, sleep anxiety. <laughs> so yeah. basically, it's really sleep anxiety is just FOMO. It's but sleep you're an FOMO. adult and you know you have to get mm-hmm. up at six o'clock in the morning and do something really big, like broadcast to 10,000 people, and you can't go to sleep because your brain wants to organize stuff. So that to me is FOMO, but you're an adult. So it's called sleep anxiety because well, you now have a fear of missing out and a fear of going to sleep. <laughs> When you can't control your life throughout the day, you're out of control, you're out of balance. That is one thing your brain can control at the end of the day is when it will release you into sleep, when it will allow it to happen. So you and it usually is worse when you have those. a lot going on because yeah. you're more out of control. And then your brain's like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do whatever we want right now, which is stay up until 3.30 in the morning playing Candy Crush and <laughs> sobbing because you're so exhausted and you need to sleep. Secondly, uh, with sleep balance, you also help me with always balancing food. I mean, I am a, I am very stringent with how I eat because I have to be. Um, I can't eat sugar. My ADHD brain, ADHD brain is like somewhere up there, way up over there with sugar. And as soon as I took sugar out of my diet and upped my protein, my brain is just like, oh, this is balance. Oh, this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, you've really helped me do that. And even though that's something I've always had there, I would go on and off intermittently with that. Like I said, no off switch whatsoever. So I'd be off my eating regime or on my eating regime, but I eat for my brain. I don't eat for my weight. I eat for my brain now, which is very, very important. And sleep balance and nutrition balance for somebody with neurodiversity and menopause is a game changer. But I think the biggest thing you really helped me with was my daily ritual. I teach daily ritual, a daily ritual of self-value. For me, the neurodiversity daily ritual is just compartmentalizing my brain um, and processing all the emotions because so much of the emotions come from things that you are overwhelmed with or screwing up instead of being in a place where nothing is overwhelming and nothing is being screwed up. <laughs> Which, by the way, I just got goosebumps again. Because- Which itself can be really stressful because you're used to living in stress. Well, not, so once you not, get to that you know point, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know, I don't feel that way. I feel more free right now in my life than I felt. In, but it was stressful in, getting there. It was. We yeah, look back once you once you learn there. how to not be stressed because you have these rituals. Then you're like, what am I missing? What am now? What am I fucking yes. up? Until so you, you want to work with a coach, you don't have to work with a coach for two years. Like I would suggest you work for one month or three months, like do a 12-week block so you can really get all of your um, sort of systems in place. But what it is for me and my business is Jen balances my brain and what I have to do, what I want to do, and what I have to outsource and delegate. She helps me manage all of that. After she educated me, this is now how she helps me as a coach. Um, She helped me with my sleep balance. She helped me with my um, daily ritual, creating my daily ritual. And then she helped me with, um, so all those sort of areas of my life to just create balance in them. And we went through every area and we're kind of like, well, you're neurodiverse, so you're going to struggle here and you're going to do it like this and you might need to do it like this. The whole time I was just like, what? Yes, what? Okay, okay. And so 
I feel like if you just want to work with a coach for one month or two months, just create all the systems in those places. Say, how can I get better sleep so that I can function better? How can I eat better for this brain? How can I put in better systems in my business? How can I create a daily ritual? You start there and watch your world come together. You don't have to struggle alone. You are like... You've got to get the most basic help so that you can be extraordinary. And if you are not allowing that, you're just not at your full power. And if you really just let people help you set up those basic systems, you can be extraordinary. And if you are wondering if you even like where to go for help, um, I don't know if this is a good resource to share, but when I first got here, I went to ADHD online because they do a comprehensive online assessment and it costs $125. And if you're struggling struggling to get any form of um, doctor that's listening to you because you just, you're just confused but you know you're on the right track, just do the test. It's $125. In two days, you get a very comprehensive report reviewed by a psychologist and you can take the next step after that. But it really helps you understand what you need because someone like Jen is also going to help you understand all areas of neurodiversity because there is a lot of comorbidity with ADHD, meaning that there's a lot of other things that go side by side with a lot of similar symptoms. And it's so great to finally have answers. But yeah, I'd say work on those areas and get balance in those areas. And and that's where you have really created um, balance for me, Jen. And that's why you've changed my world in the last two years. You know, self-value is a business I always wanted to run towards. I've been teaching it for 13 years. But I was at a place with menopause in my brain that I was like, I'm, I just can't go any further. So when I asked you to take me to the next level and you was like, you were like, what even is that? It's this level. It's the level where I am fully functional as a creative human being with a successful business, connected, in alignment, teaching, doing what I want to do every single day. I'm getting more goosebumps all over my body and just being fully connected in joy and being able to enjoy it and not fall apart every day and just be in a full place of joy to create content. And I was like, that is flow, momentum, and it's the greatest gift that anybody could have ever have given me. So thank you so much. And I just don't want anybody out there to feel alone, especially not starting a business. It doesn't have to be so just hard. navigating life. <laughs> yeah. With a diverse brain. It doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't, does it? And peace is available. You deserve peace and peace is available. And balance is available. And Actually, once you start to dig out all of your shame, you'll be quite surprised at yeah. how much you realize that this is not a curse. This is a gift. And we just have to learn how to be weirdly gifted. Yeah, lean into it. Okay. Because the wonderful did, doesn't come without the weird. So if you keep no. suppressing the weird, you're, you're suppressing the wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I am weird and wonderful. I wave my freak flag and I want all the other little freaks to know that they're okay. 
that we're all the same in our little and we're always you know when you own who you are you find your people so much faster <laughs> and then yeah. when you own who you are people find you and then you're their people and I love that like the more I own who I am and what I do then then that it just I don't know just makes everything it gives everyone else permission to do their same weirdness yeah but you have to give yourself permission first Thank you so much, Jen. Thank um, you. I love talking to you. I love uh, everything you've helped me with. I truly, truly, truly have um, enjoyed growing this last two years and two and a half years in my business. I cannot recommend uh, a brand coach more. If anybody needs help, go and get it. Just go and get it. And if you're menopausal, and you're really struggling if you're in your mid 40s and you have really bad anxiety and you don't know why it just it appears and you've kind of maybe always thought you had a bit of ADHD then you know make sure that you go and ask the right questions and get help yes thank you what Sue. would you finish with Jen what would you like to say to anybody out there that's doing it all on their own and where should they, what should they do first? Um, I think the resource you shared, ADHD Online, is a great place to start. Just start doing some research. I diagnosed myself with, from a BuzzFeed article, because there was all these things of like, when you have ADHD, and I was like, that's oh, me. Oh, that's me. <laughs> okay. And then I went and got diagnosed. So if you do any research at all, it's going to become really clear of like, oh, okay, that's a thing, that's a thing, that's a thing. And then once that happens, look into it. You don't have to have an official diagnosis. Oh, you know what? The best one for me is watching all of my friends' kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So a couple of my friends come to me like, oh, we think Johnny has ADHD. Like, what do you think? And I was like, cool. And then of course, the more <laughs> research you do, you're like, if one of your children have neurodiversity, mm. let's look at mom and dad. <laughs> Where do you think it comes <laughs> Which <one>? from? <laughs> and of course, I instantly looked at my parents because I was like, if my, there's four of us and three of us have ADHD. Full on. So I looked at my mum and dad and straight away I was like, dad has ADHD and I didn't know this and he didn't mm -hmm. know this. And it's just crazy. So I just, yeah, that that always made me laugh. If you having a look at a child that's neurodiverse, you might want to just look at yourself. The one thing I just want to finish with then is like, don't, you don't realize how much you hide. That was the thing when I started to learn from you. I was like, you would say things and I would just sit there like going, oh my God, she's talking about me. That How does she know? <laughs> but because it was a secret, I was like, I didn't understand how you knew that. So the biggest eye opener was learning everything that knowledge was coming. As it was coming, I was like, it was like all these light bulbs and bells and whistles were going off and I was just like, oh. And I was yeah. like, Jen, how do you know? How do you know? I'm a now witch too. <laughs> <laughs> but once you name it, you're going to be so much nicer to yourself about it. So all those little quirks that you carry shame for can start to be released when it's like, oh, this isn't because I just am bad at life. It's because I have different brain chemicals. My brain is actually formed differently. I am My chemicals are different. I'm bad. I know. <laughs> 
it's okay. I am better at life. I'm not I'm broken. (laughs) We all are in different ways and everyone lies about it. Yeah. I am bad at life and I'm okay with it. I'm I'm actually I just want anybody out there to know and I truly hope if anybody calls you that totally gets the amount of freedom that I got from um like learning from you is I want you to know that you're actually extraordinary. So it's um it's a cool it's a cool thing to learn about yourself. It really is. And you shouldn't learn it at 50, 50 years old. But better 50 than never. Yeah. Yeah. And now we can take these neurodiverse children and we can really develop their creative brains. Can you imagine? We can create a neurodiverse world for them to live in instead of shoving them into a typical world. Our school system, they will never, ever create in. And they've got this extraordinary ability. And I can't wait for people to catch up and that – Every time someone like us steps up and proudly talks about neurodiversity, we take away more stigma and educate more people around it. Agreed. Thanks, Jen. We will do this again. I can't wait to talk more. And to everyone out there, thanks for joining us. If you even considered, just get online and do that little test and give yourself some absolute peace and then get some help. It's not really help. Get some balance. It's the best kind of help and balance you will ever ask for. I promise yes. you. And it lasts. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Value Podcast. If you want even more about self-value to start changing your own life, head over to selfvalue.com where you can find all of the education you need to start reaching your full potential. Also, your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? We really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today, but don't forget to head over to selfvalue.com.